In this episode of Boss Files. For me in starting Feed, it wasn't just about starting a brand. It was about starting a movement and creating a way for customers to become advocates, to become donors, um, to be a part of something bigger. When Lauren Bush Lauren founded Feed more than a decade ago, the term social entrepreneur was practically unheard of. She saw childhood hunger firsthand traveling with the World Food Program. That changed her forever. The granddaughter of the late President George H.W. Bush was compelled to do something. So she designed the feed bag to raise money to help feed children in the most need all around the world. Feed has provided more than 107 million meals, and that number grows by the day. And when she became a mother, her entire perspective changed. So I took my first giving trip, um, 2017, went to since being a mom and really to see moms yeah just like loving on their kids and just you know doing again everything a mom can do to take care of them and just seeing their little bellies protruded and not because physically hungry. not being yeah healthy it just it's heart it's heartbreaking in a new way brings tears to I know. eyes <laughs> because you feel so lucky yeah i mean it's just and just i think it's the empathy and um yeah, just, you know, recognizing abroad here, that's just not the case for, for everyone. Now a mother of two, she calls work-life balance, quote, elusive, as she reinvents her company, taking the e-commerce brand into brick and mortar. And as a CEO, does she feel that she has the responsibility to speak out on social issues? I ask her. Plus... The huge impact her late grandparents, President George H.W. Bush and First Lady Barbara Bush, had on her. She tells me public service is in her genes. Here's my conversation with Lauren Bush Lauren. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having Pleasure. me. Pleasure. So, by the way, your, your feed store in, in Dumbo, Brooklyn. Have you been there? I've been there. I, it's right across the street from our old apartment. Cool. And every, I don't know if you, well, you probably know this, of course, that they have every Sunday... Uh, this great guitar player for yeah. little kids, so I would bring the babies. Oh, I love it's that. Really nice. And it's free Dan. for the whole community, totally. which is lovely. Yeah, Dan, he's great. We Dan the guitar man. Dan the guitar man. Oh, thank you for going. Yeah, so that's, that's my awesome. sort of connection to feed. That's great. But for everyone who doesn't live across the street from yeah. me in Brooklyn, <laughs> can you give us the 30-second elevator pitch? Sure, yeah. Feed is a social business I started over 11 years ago, and the mission is to create good products that help feed the world. Um, and specifically, we're giving through giving partners that work around the world, but also here in the U.S. to get kids a free, nutritious school meal. Um, so here really, as well. Yeah, yeah. here as well. Um, we really believe, obviously, it's a human right, especially for kids um, to get that lunch meal, to be able to live up to their full mm -hmm. God-given potential. Um, so that's that's the impetus for Feed. But you know, we're a social brand where we make products, mainly bags. Um, and every product we make and sell, there's a number on it, and that signifies the amount of meals yeah. we're able to, t to donate. Explain the need, especially uh, in the developing world, because I think the latest number I saw was 821 million people, one in nine yeah. in the world, mm -hmm. go to bed hungry. It's pretty staggering in this day and age. I mean, the disparity that exists in the world is, is very real, and I think it's often something, you know, we all can go about our lives and you know, turn a blind eye to because it's yeah. so hard to fathom that magnitude, one in nine people. Um, but it's true. I mean, literally one in nine people wake up every day not necessarily knowing where their next meal is coming from. The 
numbers that you guys have achieved so far, again, 11 years in, where are you in terms of meals provided? So we're, I think we're at 103 million approximately meals. Um, we're going to update that soon. Enormous. But yeah, we're really proud of that. And I mean, clearly there's so much more to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's really been a result of our community coming together around this cause, around our brand, um, you know, and wanting to give back in that way. You call it a movement. Mm-hmm. I heard you say that in, in a previous interview, and I was struck. I wanted to know, what do you mean? For me, in starting Feed, it wasn't just about starting a brand. It was about starting a movement and creating a way for customers to become advocates, to become donors, um, to be a part of something bigger mm-hmm. and... Um, you know, that's really what we try to do. So whether it is through purchasing a product or whether it's hosting a feed supper, mm-hmm. um, we really try to create ways to for folks to engage in the cause of, of hunger and specifically childhood hunger. Um, so the way I look at kind of building a brand and building our business is really more about building a movement. This, for, for people just tuning in, they may know Lauren Bush Lauren from the cover of Vogue, from the modeling way back days, when. right? <laughs> And what they don't know is that you, in college, volunteered with the World Food Program Mm -hmm. and went all over the world to the the places with the most need. Mm -hmm. And that shaped where you are today so dramatically. Yes. Tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, it was just the greatest gift I could have been given is that life experience, Um, especially at that time in my life. I was a student in college and very interested in, in traveling always. Um, but to have the opportunity to go with the UN World Food Program um, to countries like Guatemala, Chad, Lesotho, Tanzania, and really see firsthand that the issues of poverty and hunger um, was just so incredibly eye-opening. Um, and I knew it from that point forward, you know, something I did mm-hmm. in my life would have to contribute. I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know how. Um, and quite frankly, I felt this sort of sense of frustration for years because you go and you see there's such a need and you're, you know, meeting wonderful communities and kids, especially and your heart just opens to that. And yet I would come back as a student, you know, not knowing myself what I could do and certainly not knowing then what I could tell others to do. Feeling helpless a bit? Feeling helpless, feeling like, God, this is such a massive issue, um, which it is. And we can still sink back into that feeling of helplessness. Of occasionally we're human. Yeah. Um, but yet at the same time, you know, I saw programs that are making a difference, that are really moving the needle for, for kids' lives, which primarily is school feeding, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so kids who go to school in 62 of the poorest countries, the World Food Program is providing, as our you know, government does here yeah. in different agencies, a free nutritious school lunch. Um, so I want to fr- talk about that in a little yeah. bit, too, what you're doing here, because I, I did a, a whole series on, you know, food deserts. And we yeah. see Detroit, for example, certain mm-hmm. pockets there. Um, Bridgeport, Connecticut, you've got 40% of the kids, you know, b- below the poverty line. But before we get to the U.S. movement, yeah, there was a trip that you took to Guatemala. Yeah. And there was a little boy you saw. Yeah. And it seems to me like that changed everything. Well, that was actually my very first trip with the World Food Program and my very first stop on the very first trip. Wow. So it was sort of that, this like immediate eye-opening experience um, where I was taken to a therapeutic feeding center. So essentially a clinic um, where kids are taken who are severely malnourished. Mm-hmm. Um, so first we sort of entered this room and kids just, you know, they look unhealthy, they were listless, they weren't 
It didn't have the energy or kind of glisten in the eye that most kids have. Um, and many were even too weak to feed themselves, but they were b- being given like this peanut paste that helps, has high Pro- calorie protein, protein and um, kind of whatever meager resources were available yeah. to this little rural clinic. But I was leaving and a mom put her son in my arms oh. and this little boy, I would have thought on it now that I have kids too, was like my son's age, who's three or four, and he was seven years old. So the extreme, wow. you know, physical stunting that happens with yep. chronic malnutrition, um, you know, you hear again these statistics and stories, but to see it up front um, and see this little boy who was clearly not only stunted, but like in pain yeah. and, you know, it's just heartbreaking. And what you, what you said about like the life from their eyes was gone. Mm-hmm right? Like yeah. that joy, that sparkle yeah. that we see in our children every morning. Totally. That, even that, like, like their hope was lost at, for this boy seven years old. Well, exactly. I mean, just the, like to have life energy. I think hunger is one of those causes that we can all identify with as humans. Like we've all, even if we're lucky enough and fortunate enough to not have chronic hunger issues um, as part of our, our current lives or past lives, um, we all skip, you know, skip a meal here and there. Like we all know what it means to not have that energy mm-hmm. and that sustenance. Um, mm-hmm. And truly, you know, for kids, especially between the ages of zero to five, who don't get that crucial nutrition, yeah, they're stunted physically, but also stunted mentally. You can't come yes. back from that type of hunger. The the uh, an amazing woman who who of course you know the former director of the UN World Food Pro- mm. Program, Arthur and Cousin, mm. who I. I I've covered in depth and had on, on Boss Files here. Oh, great. She told me something that I will never forget, and my producer reminded me of it the other day. Women make the difference when it comes to ending hunger in the world. Mm-hmm. That women make the difference, especially in the developed world, and mothers providing sustenance to their families. Yeah. What have you seen? I have seen that 100%. Generally, um, Unfortunately, in so many countries, women are second-class citizens. I mean, most countries, let's be honest. Um, But especially in countries where poverty persists. So they're the ones working in the field. They're the ones um, literally, you know, saving what they can, making sure their their kids and their husbands eat generally before they do. Putting themselves last. Putting themselves last. And um, it's, I mean, literally just... As a woman traveling, I actually ended up writing my thesis in college about sort of women's issues because it was just so jarring as a woman brought up to be to believe I could do anything and be anything just as my brother could be, you know, if I work hard and and try hard. Um, So to to go to countries where that just wasn't the case for women and girls shock is is just shocking still. Um, But literally, you know, seeing gatherings, the World Food Program would have sort of educational nutrition gatherings. And with that, they would give out, you know, whether it's formula or supplements. Um, So, you know, mothers very responsibly would come and like have four kids strapped to them. And there would be men, you know, heckling them on the sides. And you're like, they're just like trying to get trying to feed their family, (laughs) trying to take care of your children. Um, It's pretty shocking. So you chose this path and you were able to marry the worlds that you loved, right? Yes. Helping those most in need, but also fashion. Yes. I'm interested in how you built the business because I read that you didn't have a business plan. Mm-hmm. Did you have to raise money for the business? Did you self-fund it? Did you need to go to the VC world? No, luckily, or not luckily, I am. Um, 
It's really figured it out as I've gone. I started again with this one idea for this one bag, the Feed One bag that we still sell. It feeds yes. one child in school for one year. Um, and really, I thought, gosh, if I can get this bag out in the world and make some sales, we will have helped. But self-funded, pretty much. Yeah, 30 kids, 40 kids. So the modeling that you yeah, alluded yeah. to, I did in, in a little bit of high school and then throughout college. And it was, you know, my little nest egg. So I graduated college and was lucky enough to say, OK, I have a, I can afford a little time, not that long, and put a little money towards this first order of bags. Um, so it really has just grown organically over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, two or three years, uh, two and a half years ago, we did take on our first kind of seed round of family and friends funding mm-hmm. in order to open the store that you yes. have gone to and do a few other things we know we wanted to do that we yeah. couldn't kind of do just on our own steam. Um, but it's just been this, you know, wonderful journey um, in that I feel like there's a saying like when you set out to do something good for the world, like great forces will surround you. I'm misquoting that, but it, it has been that. We've had such great partners and mm-hmm. advocates and friends of feed that have kind of stepped up at the right moments for us. Uh, profitability. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to be profitable and do good? <laughs> it is. I think it's a challenge and it's one, candidly, it's a journey and, and some years have been better and bigger than others for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, it's about having kind of a clear sense on what your your costs are and what you need to grow as well as changes too when you have investors when you have friends and family's money in it it does it definitely does um yeah we aim to be obviously super responsible and growth oriented and yet we also aim to give a significant amount back i never want it to be a penny on the dollar i want customers to feel um yeah yeah that that when you buy feed you are truly making a contribution Mm -hmm. um so it's, you know, it's, it's a dance. It's a balancing act. It's one even almost 12 years in, we're still kind of figuring out. So that's interesting, though, 12 years in. Are, have you seen a shift in the consumer and their willingness to mm. spend more if they know part of that money is going to good? Or am I just dreaming that that's the way everyone you know, feels it's funny. and actually spends? Because we all say we'll do that. Totally. But will you? I think it's sort of true. I think people aren't going to pay double. Okay. I th- I think for the most part, people are going to pay what they expect to pay for the quality of, of product or bag. Um, but what Feed does is it's the halo of the brand is the fact that you're giving back. So it's almost, I do think, you know, customers are willing to pay just a bit more. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't say they're, you know. Well, and is that also part why, it, I mean, a lot of the feedback that I've had for years says Feed really big yeah. across it because people like to show, show off. Yeah. They're doing good. Thank you for carrying that around. <laughs> For advertising, but exactly that. It's sort of a badge of honor. Mm. It's always been this way to, um, you know, make a statement to to the world, to your friends, like this is something I believe in and, and want to get behind. The Feed Foundation mm-hmm. is separate from it's the business. Separate. You're chairman of the board? Yes. And what, so explain to me how it's separate and what you do. Totally. So a few years into Feed, we had people coming to us said, okay, I bought one bag, I bought 10 bags, like what else can I do? I want to contribute. Or, and or we were literally getting checks in the mail. Um, making contributions, and we'd have to obviously send them back because we're a for-profit company. <laughs> Sorry, can't take that. Um, so the foundation has served as really a silent kind of sister organization to Feed, mm-hmm. um, able to channel the goodwill that's sort of drummed up through Feed that mm-hmm. a for-profit company can't, you know, legally um, accept. Right. And okay. we basically just channel that, the funds we, we do receive from the Feed Foundation to our giving partners on the ground. How, how do you measure your success? 
We measure success first and foremost in meals given. Um, you know, one feature on our website, we, we, when someone has an account and makes multiple purchases from Feed over the years, it not only tallies, you know, keeps track of your past orders, it, it keeps track of your meal count, your total meal count. So we, we're not only proud of our like overall meal count, we're really proud that customers can feel proud of their individual meal counts and their individual impact. Again, going back to the speaking of Feed More as a movement than a, than a company. Um, Was there a moment of... You know, if I think of a moment in my career that I'm most proud of, I'm wondering, do you, do you have that? Is there a moment mm. or, uh, or an accomplishment that you're the most proud of for the, for the whole organization? Oh, my goodness. Um, so many moments. You know, I think it's such a journey being an entrepreneur, and um, there's so much I'm proud of that my team you know, and I have pulled off and, and been a small, mighty 100 team. million by yeah. in a decade. Meals, Ten, that right? was a big milestone, obviously, for, for us. In 2017, we celebrated. And it was sort of an internal goal we had set years before. Like, okay, I think we can get to 100 million. We didn't actually announce it publicly because we were like, we don't want to. <laughs> that's a good, <laughs> good call. We don't want to be disappointed or disappoint our community. But, like, internally, that's what we were all gunning for. Um, so when we hit that in our 10-year that was a major moment. I think having just longevity as a social business is like an accomp- is a massive mm-hmm. accomplishment. Again, it's something we're still on a journey mm-hmm. with, I would say. Um, and yeah, reaching that 100 million. And, and truly, kind of, it's more of those personal moments. For me, still seeing a stranger or anyone really walking down the street with a feed bag just makes my day. <laughs> still. Still. Oh, the a best. dozen years in. Yeah. Coming up, as a CEO, does Lauren Bush-Lauren feel she has a responsibility to speak out on social issues? I ask her. One mistake that you have been pretty candid about that you made along the way was there was a point where you realized that you guys were partnering way too much. You had, I think, 16 different partnerships with big you know, snazzy brands, et cetera, which on the surface looks good, but, but you actually think it hurt the core business. Why? Yeah, you did good research. Um, yeah, essentially, I think that was like four or five years ago, we kind of took a step back yeah. and said, whoa, we are spreading ourselves way too thin. And while, especially given we're such, you know, a mission-driven company, it's hard to turn down opportunities to give meals and to get the brand out there. Um, but at the same time, we weren't focusing on growing our core business. So most, you know, many of our partners have been multi-year partners. But big um, brands like Tory Burch. Yeah. And Clarence is a multi, one of our biggest, longest lasting partners internationally, mm-hmm. uh, West Elm, um, many others. But some have been more in and out kind yeah. of marketing moments. And so most of our, you know, team's attention, I realized, was going towards those partnerships, where, which were, you know, sexy and fun. and. Yeah. Um, kind of the next shiny thing. And, and yet we always had a core business and an e-com business yeah. and a bit of wholesale. And yet we weren't as much focused on that. I think that's a lesson. And I mean, I found that in my career, you know, sort of trying to check everything off a list and accomplish all these things and do all these stories yeah. is a mistake. Yeah. Instead, I've tried to really narrow my focus on the important ones. And mm-hmm. it's hard to say no. It's so hard to say no. And that's been, yeah, I think one of my biggest lessons learned 
as a founder no. and CEO is just how, yeah. how to say no and what to say no to. What about your role as a CEO? Not only are you a CEO founder, uh, but you're a very public person. And, and we'll get into sort of your family but mm-hmm. from a presidential family and you know, the daughter-in-law of Ralph Lauren. Um, I assume it's a tightrope to walk in terms of deciding what social issues to be outspoken about. But I have seen this market shift in CEOs Howard Schultz, of mm-hmm. course, in the news now, he was one of the first mm-hmm. at Starbucks to speak out on things unrelated to the business. So yeah. to say, here's where I stand as a leader on, you know, LGBTQ rights, mm-hmm. or here's where I stand on guns, or here's where I stand on race relations. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about doing that? I mean, the main issue I stand for clearly is about hunger, which to me is not, you know, a partisan issue no, or it's should not be. controversial. And not controversial. But do you have an urge to speak out more now on social issues? I mean, I think we all feel a sense of wanting to, you know, make a stand more. And definitely consumerism has moved from what I would say is, you know, conscious consumerism, which is still there, but to sort of activism consumerism. Where, Interesting. Yeah, where companies will, or customers, sorry, will will either support and get behind or even boycott companies based on their beliefs. Um, so it's a really interesting moment we're in right now. What are you thinking about it? Do you think you will become more outspoken on some of these issues? I also don't think, I mean, I'm one person and I also think everyone having a soapbox about every single issue is a problem too. So like selective. I don't, selective and things that are really, um, yeah, meaningful and, and important where I feel like my voice will, will help mm-hmm. essentially. Um, is there an area? Beyond hunger, you mean, and, and poverty? I mean, that's really the, the focus, I would say. I mean, occasionally I'll tweet or, you know, get involved or go to different events for different different causes that, of course, are meaningful to me. Um, but I also think, you know, as one person and as a working mom like yourself, you can only do so much and do so much effectively. Mm-hmm. So I'm also a big believer in sort of choosing a path and kind of sticking with I it. I that. Um, and I, you know... For better, for worse, 12 years in, like hunger is still the main thing I stand for. I'm on the board of the, the food bank for New York City also. Oh, which that's I'm really, great. Yeah, so digging in on a local level as mm-hmm. well as global. So it started uh, Feed helping in the developing world. Mm-hmm. When did the shift come to also include the United States and why? So we shifted, I think from, I mean, from the beginning, I knew and, you know, I've seen via different volunteering and just Mm-hmm. Um, that hunger exists here in America, and yet, you know, very much feed origins were were globally with the World Food Program. So I think it was in 2014 um, that we also started giving here. So I went personally and took my my team with me on a, a bit of a tour around mm-hmm. the, the country um, to visit soup kitchens and food pantries and food banks and really learn and see the issue firsthand. So. Yeah. Similar, similarly, as it you know happened for me globally, I wanted to have that personal connection and really understand where myself and where Feed as an organization could could make an impact. Why? I mean, does it ever make you angry to mm-hmm. see that happening in America? It's one thing to see it happening in impoverished nations mm-hmm. in Africa. Yeah, that can't afford yeah. the food. America can afford it. America can afford. Should I mean, no child. Um, just given the resources of this yeah. country, you would it's, think would even have to be in that position. And yet so many are. Yeah. I mean, I, we were looking at the stats yesterday. In 2017, an estimated one in eight Americans yeah. were food insecure. That's 40 million Americans and more than 12 million children, according yeah. to the USDA. 
It's now about 13 million children and one in six children. Wow. Essentially. So it's getting worse. It's getting worse. Um, it's shocking. I would say it's not a life and death situation the way it is in many developing countries. So that doesn't make it better. I mean, it does make it better. It doesn't make it quite as dire. Um, we're lucky to have more of a safety net. Mm -hmm. But yet so much of that safety net is based on the goodwill of donors and volunteers supporting these, these you know, on the ground um, food banks and soup kitchens um, who are really making a difference. And, and really, you know, these are families that are working two, three, four jobs yes. and just can't make ends meet. And it's it's often we see kind of towards the end of the month when their paycheck's running out, when they need and they rely pretty consistently on these local yes. organizations to get by. Um, so that's been a, a big focus of ours. And we, we do have this activation called Feed Supper that encourages folks to go and host supper, like host a dinner party basically in your home, to in your restaurant, money. to raise money. And all that goes through to Feeding America. Um, which is kind of the largest network supporting all mm -hmm. you know, food right. banks around the country. So that's the, the primary thing we're doing there. And actually just today, we announced all the month of February, we're just all feed sales and proceeds will be going um, or staying here in America, supporting mm. No Kid Hungry, which is helping yes. get, it, get kids um, who are, you know, are very much in need and, and qualify for, let's say, free school lunches, which yes. they may be getting, but they're not getting breakfast. So right. teachers were seeing kids go to school and, and really being hungry for and half of the day. They can't concentrate then. They can't they concentrate, they can't focus, totally. And in school, I mean, school break, holiday, you know, meals are a big and deal. And summers weekends. are actually really difficult yeah. for those families. So No Kid Hungry is working to kind of supplement all that, which is wonderful. Coming up, how becoming a mother changed Lauren Bush Lauren's perspective on her feed mission. Being a mother. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you, too. You are. <laughs> thank you. Mother of two. Yes. Little boys. Uh, how old are they now? James is three and Max is nine months. Oh, ours are about the same yeah, age. I know. So we're Good in it, days. as they yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> how I'm interested, Lauren, in how it has changed how you do your work. So obviously you have less time. Yes. So there's that and prioritizing. But also how you see your work now, because, you know, I, I'd assume I certainly see mine much more through the eyes of my children. Yeah. And what would they think? It's true. I think I, you know, before having my first son, I was like, gosh, this will take on a new meaning. But I didn't know how much it would, I would say, until becoming a mom. And as you know, so much of our, you know, your day and time and love and care is focused on what are they eating? How much are they eating? Is it healthy? Are they healthy? Are they growing? Are they learning? Are they doing everything they, you know, need and, and should be doing? Mm -hmm. um, and then to kind of put your step out of your shoes and put yourself in the shoes of a, nom, a, a mom where, you know, you know what you want, what's best for your kid yeah. beyond anything else in the world and not being able to, to provide that. Um, so I took my first giving trip, um, 2017, went to, w since being a mom. Okay. Um, and really to see moms, yeah, just like loving on their kids and just, you know, doing again, everything a mom can do to take mm -hmm. care of them and just seeing their little bellies protruded and not because they're physically hungry. not being, yeah, healthy. Um, it just, it's heart, it's heartbreaking in a new way. It is because, and you've, it's, it's, Thank God every day. I know I do for for my children that they yeah. can they can eat. It brings tears to I know. eyes. I <laughs> know. Because you feel so lucky. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, and just, I think it's the empathy and, um, yeah, just, you know, recognizing abroad here, that's just not the case for, for everyone. Not at all. In that, um, sorry. No, I, <laughs> such innocent little lives, you know, who come into this world so perfect are then not, again, given the ability to kind of grow into their God-given potential and, um, physically, mentally, because of lack of something as basic as food. You can tell this, this is so, this is not only your business, this is your heart. Yeah. In many ways. Yeah, definitely. Good for you. Um, I guess your boys are too young to know, Mm -hmm. but how do you think about talking to them one day about what mom did. I know my daughter, Sienna. Mommy, why do you go to work? <laughs> you know what? I actually I answer her and I said to put food on the table. Oh, that's good. Because it's true. <laughs> it's why we all go to work. That's good. I'll use right? that one. <laughs> it's also mommy's break from home totally. a little <laughs> Which bit is important too. important too. But how do you think about how you will explain to them? Because that's got to be, a, I mean, I can explain to my daughter, I'm a journalist and I cover these stories. Yeah. But to them one day, you're going to have to tell them that li- life and the world is just an unfair place. Yeah. And these little kids don't have what you had. I know. I really kind of like fantasize and can't wait for the day when I can take, yeah, my kids on a giving trip and to really go and see firsthand and be exposed to that. Um, I feel very lucky. Um, My mom, when I was little, started a charity called Caritas that helped homeless and abused children. So locally, you know, in the U.S. and Texas where I grew up, we would go to homeless shelters and food kitchens occasionally. Um, So just having even that little bit of exposure, Mm -hmm. like, helps kind of take you out of the bubble you're born into. How young were you? Because I, I think about when I should start taking Sienna with me. I know, and I've been asking even the food bank, again, that I'm on the board of, like, when can you start doing, like, yeah. what age are kids actually helpful to, to yeah, the organization? right now. She'd, like, jump in the pot. Totally. I think not. it would be anti-productive. I think soon. I, they say five, but, okay. um, yeah, and again, you don't want, I don't think it's about guilt. I don't think it's about, you know, telling your kids scary things that they can't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's about empowering kids to say, you can make a difference. Like, this can change. Yeah. This isn't how it has to and be. And also, here's how lucky you are. And here's how lucky you are. And you have a responsibility in some capacity, in some way in your life give to, back. to give back and pay it forward. I loved reading that you call work-life balance um, elusive. That it's <laughs> great because I certainly haven't achieved it. Mm-hmm. It's a juggle to me. I think I've read it described as a jungle gym. Yeah. What, how has it been for, for you? Yeah, I think kind of this notion of like we all need to find whatever this perfect balance is, is like almost just put so much stress and pressure that it's, you know, not worth it. Um, for me, I mean, feed is, yeah, my first baby in many ways and something I feel, again, so passionate and so proud of. Um, and I, you know, happily come home, put the, you know, play with the kids, get that quality time and put them to bed and then hop right back on my email. Yeah. Um, and not that that's always the case or always what I should be doing. Um, but I think when you, you know, love what you're doing, it's not about, okay, my work is here. My life is here. It's about, it's all jumbled together. Um, and that's what life is. Yeah. It's a jumble. It's a jumble. It's a jumble. (laughs) I love that word. Uh, you also, we had sort of similar experiences on our maternity leaves Mm -hmm. in that it sounds like to me, you didn't really fully take your first one. Yeah. And neither did I. I made that. I took it physically, but I was way too engaged Mm -hmm. in work. And the second, 
I still was on email and that sort of mm -hmm. thing, but much more focused on my child. And that yeah. was better for me. Um, I don't know. Do you have advice to other mothers yeah. and fathers? Yeah, similar, similar experience. I think with the first, um, I think you go into it not knowing what to expect. And I did go back to work after maybe six weeks, um, which was not long enough. And right. I mean, I'm lucky. Again, a lot of women, that's maybe the most they'll get. Uh, I mean, so I say in this, this country, it's appalling. It's, it's They're appalling. Not even, most women aren't even paid. Totally. Um, so in that sense, I felt really lucky. Um, but yeah, with my second kid, I was able to take four months, which was huge. And not to say I wasn't on the occasional emails or meetings um, here and there, but I really was yeah. out of office. And, and by the way, I also think women don't talk about this enough and, and dads who get paternity mm -hmm. leave. It's nice to have adult conversations and yeah, be on sometimes it's like that aren't great about Monday babies. morning to go to work. You know, I mean, that's also I think we're I'm filled by my children and by my work. And yeah. I need that as well. And mm -hmm. I think there's sort of a hesitation to talk about that. Like all of a sudden you go from being a CEO like you are yeah. to like baby food and poop all day. I mean, you know, you need a little you need a balance. <laughs> I mean, balance. you need a definite moment to heal and, you oh, know, get, I, a, get a grip on, on life again yes. with a, a first or second yeah. child. But 100%, there are many Monday mornings when I am very happy to be back Me in my too. office. And, Me too. Um, the difference, too, with this time, my husband was able to take, um, or his company uh, gave him a full month off. That's great. Which, with our first, he took like a week. Um, so it's cool now. I feel like companies more and more are kind of they are. recognizing the, the need for granting longer paternity leaves. And yeah. that was, you know, a huge help and My a lot of fun. Too. They, he gets four months. Amazing. He took three, but he gets four for dads now. So cool. What, uh, do, what, is, what is Feed's policy for parental leave? I know. We have a, yeah, three-month policy. Um, and then, but we've been for very moms and dads for moms and dads. That's great. We're actually a team of all women. So we haven't, are had, you all women? Yeah, we are all diversified. I know little. we do. We've had, <laughs> we've had men throughout, but, um, yeah. at the moment we're all women. So, yeah. but yeah, I think, um, it's important. To it's important. And give. it's also important. Like we're very, you know, understanding and, and flexible. We have a mom who works pro mostly remotely and it's part-time and that's yeah. like what works for her life now. And she's still so valuable. We've worked together almost nine years. Wow. So she's still very much like a yeah. core team feed member, but um, she, yeah, she needs Does to the prioritize needs to her family. It. Totally. And it works. Coming up, Lauren Bush Lauren tells me public service is in her genes. She opens up about the huge impact her late grandparents, President George H.W. Bush and First Lady Barbara Bush had on her. If we could, I, I would like to talk a little bit about your family mm -hmm. and how it shaped you. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, uh, your, your grandfather was an amazing person who gave his life to this country, so thank you. Yeah. Thanks to your entire family no. for that. President George Herbert Walker Bush, and I'd be remiss not to, to mention him. And I'm interested in how his service and leadership, not just as president, you know, mm -hmm. he was a Navy pilot, how, how has that shaped you? I know it's, I mean, with his passing, obviously a lot more time to reflect on, on that. Um, for me, he's just, he was always larger than life. I mean, just the, the stories about him and, um, 
yeah, having, I, he became president when I was four years old. Oh, wow. So you don't, at that age, really comprehend the sure. magnitude or the importance of, of that job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to me, he just lived in this really cool house that we all got to visit in. The White of, House? The White House, and got to, like, <laughs> run wild in. Um, so it wasn't until I was older, you know, reflecting back on that. Um, but truly, like, the man himself was so humble so kind and thoughtful and really led by example. He wasn't mm-hmm. someone to sort of constantly be telling you what to do or um, how to do it. He um, was just a, a wonderful human and a wonderful grandfather. Do you have a, a favorite memory with him? So many. I think my most favorite moments with him were on his boat. I think that's where he was sort of the most free and alive and away from, I'm sure, what, you know, many other pressures he he had. Of course. And just, yeah, from the beginning of whenever I can remember in my childhood, we'd be like speeding along <laughs> the coast of Maine. And he loved that up until the very it. end. He loved his boat. What legacy do you think he leaves that is that is most important of course we see all of the the media headlines of legacy but mm-hmm. what do you think he's what do you think is the most important thing he's left this country with i think you know it was his style of leadership it was his philosophy he was kind of a servant leader he really was humble it was about mm-hmm. doing what's right and um yeah in a, a day and age a where leadership leader. doesn't necessarily look like that it wasn't about ego or um, yeah. about publicity. He really was in it to serve and to to do what he thought and felt was best and really take into consideration many different opinions and yeah. create alliances. Um, so I think it's, yeah, again, his, his the way he led um, more than even a single action or mm-hmm. thing he did that is his legacy. There, um, I, ha- I have a favorite quote that I... Um, read from your grandfather about your grandmother, Barbara mm-hmm. Bush, the former first lady. And he said this a long time ago. I've climbed perhaps the highest mountain in the world, but even that cannot hold a candle to being Barbara's husband. And so to sweet. me, and I thought of it and I ripped the page out of the magazine mm-hmm. and I put it on my wall in my office because it reminds me about the importance of my dear husband. Yeah. And what matters over everything. Mm-hmm. Um, can Isn't you speak, that sweet? Yeah. Just a little bit about that and, and how she shaped you as well and how miraculous of a, of a woman she was. Yeah. They were, you know, such a team, always together. Um, very different than my grandfather. <laughs> she was by far the sort of enforcer of the family, <laughs> as everyone now knows. Um, yeah. Definitely growing up, I would say sort of scared of her really you know in a respectful way yes. if you did something or left a towel somewhere a bike on the lawn like you'd hear about it um she really kept i mean she was the mother of six and then five kids because mm-hmm. robin passed away so always i think managing the chaos of of tons of kids and family and grandkids um so we all you know respected and and maybe feared her a little bit growing up um, but she she was my grandfather's biggest fan, supporter, like love, just overtly loved him mm. so much. And, and he, her, um, and she really was almost his like watch, watchdog in some ways. Really? Yeah. What is a beautiful thing is that they both lived so long yeah. that they got to see you build this, Lauren. It was neat. You know, she would, I would get pictures. She was very tech savvy. Really? Also, yeah. 
Who knew? Right? She would be the first to have the BlackBerry or the Fitbit or the Kindle. She really? was always, yeah, to her credit, she really stayed on top of, um, That's great. on the latest technology. So I would occasionally get an email from her with like holding a feedback, posing somewhere and, um, it was neat. And they would come to a few kind of feed events and did they talk to you about how proud they were that you took this path? They did, yeah. Because you I could mean, have taken, I mean, you could have taken a different path. You could have been, lived off your name and been a socialite. You could have. You did the opposite. <laughs> I know, ugh, but people do. Newsflash. Newsflash. People flash. do that. <laughs> um, you know, I think they would have been proud of me no matter what I did, as long as I did something of substance that, you know, again, yeah. I think was service-oriented. So many of my cousins and my Siblings have followed that path also. Yeah. Um, so I definitely know they were proud of that, but they weren't, yeah. Had I chosen another passion, another mm -hmm. life um, that was meaningful to me, I think they would have loved me and been supportive too. Political family, political future for Lauren. <laughs> any desire no, thank to you. go to Washington or lead locally in any way? No. Politics. No. <laughs> Honestly, I, I have loved working kind of outside the political arena to make change happen, and I think that's where I'm personally best suited. But I do, yeah, in this time, feel that anyone and everyone who's, you know, responsible yeah. and has and qualified to lead, I love sure. that there's sort of this new wave of people stepping up to do that. But. Do, do, what is the most effective thing Congress could do right now mm. to help curb the hunger crisis, either internationally or, or domestically? Well, I mean, a lot is tied into like the farm bill generally yeah. in terms of school meals here and abroad and just agriculture in general. So that's kind of the bill to watch the closest. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's been threats to cut this and that well, over the next... Well, there have been threats about foreign aid. About from this, foreign aid. From the Trump administration. And just aid here in general. Um, and I'm not saying aid is the only answer. I yes. think it is investing very wisely. So part of actually the school meals we, we fund specifically through the World Food Program, it's called homegrown school meals. So they're mm -hmm. grown locally to feed locally. So you're that also matters. supporting... The yeah, farmers. The farmers, the communities, the economy. You're not dumping free food. Um that farmers can't compete with. So I think it's just, you know, putting more funding behind programs like that that are helping um, in, a, in a very sustainable way. Do, do you think often about, or what do you think about, the responsibility that comes with having power? You have power as a CEO, mm -hmm. as a name people know. Mm -hmm. what, what responsibility comes with that as well? I think it's a great responsibility. I mean, it's a responsibility for me to like the people who work for me, um, but it's also a responsibility, I feel very strongly for the cause and for what we stand for. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think anyone with power, um, I think, you know, to have that, it's a humbling experience mm -hmm. and to, to take it as so and to really, um, you know, it's a team effort. No one builds anything alone. Never. No one does anything alone. So really kind of truly recognizing that and operating like that, um, I think is really important and now more than ever. Who would you invite to your own feed supper? Ooh. <laughs> your dream feed supper would include? Living or dead. Either. Either. Make it fun. No, now it's, 
I mean, I think Eleanor Roosevelt would be a really neat lady she to was, have. Yes. Um, I would, pro you know, Harriet Tubman, like all these amazing groundbreaking women. women. I think I would theme it that way. Yes. Um, I've just been teaching my daughter about Amelia Earhart. Yeah, she would be cool. Be pretty explore. great to have there. Um, what about living? But like RBG, I know she was on this podcast. Yes, Amazing. She was. I would love her there. She's invited. <laughs> um, more living. Yeah, I think, I mean. Pretty good group. Yeah, I'm like overwhelmed. All these yes. cool women keep coming to mind. But um, personally, too, I'm just really inspired by other, yeah, women entrepreneurs, like women out there. I'm creating things and building things and especially now as a working mom I have a new appreciation appreciation and respect for how you know difficult that can be yeah especially because it's so risky like for me I've always had a job where as long as I did my job and did it well I would get a paycheck when you're an entrepreneur and you're building something mm -hmm. you are risking it all I mean you don't yeah. know if it's going to succeed so I have a lot of respect final question who is your hero Whoa. Do you have a hero? I mean, I guess I would say my grandfather. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Boss Files. If you're a new fan of the show, please go to Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app and subscribe. While you're there, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. As always, you can follow me at Poppy Harlow CNN. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.